It's the most wonderful time of the year. We've got movies forgotten and hot takes verboten. You just have to hear. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We've got loads of fantastic films for all. From the ghost and the darkness to the Amish and witness, we'll cover it all. Season 11 will be the best of them all. Happy Holidays from Forgotten Cinema. Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I am your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can check us out on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, the weather outside may be frightful here in the Northeast where I live, but hopefully the movies will be ever so delightful as this episode is all about Netflix original Christmas movies. Yes, this is the 20. 20- 21 edition of Netflixmas, and on today's show, we will give you our review of four of the biggest Netflix holiday releases thus far, and we will do all this with a man who has reviewed these films with me ever since episode two of this podcast. It's Kid Christmas himself, Mr. Chad Davis. Merry Netflixmas to you, sir. Hey, Merry, what was it, Merry ne- next? Netflixmas. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Merry yeah. Christmas to you too, buddy. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm sure you should be used to my uh, weird terminology by now, sir. Come on. Uh, and, I, and I think the biggest gift for you overall, sir, is that we have four things we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And as opposed to like some of the stuff in the past, I'm not really going to shit hard on any of them. Yeah. I mean, we'll see where it goes from you know my point of view, but... <laughs> Um, I could see all four of them being liked by a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I can tell you right now that a lot of these films are doing very well on on Netflix. And if anything, I would say one of them we'll talk that we'll talk about at the end. Um, I would say people need to watch a little bit more because I haven't seen it in the top ten, but it kind of makes sense why. But I want people to watch it, so we'll talk about that in a sec. Mm-hmm. Teaser redo, and but. I would say so far, Chad, you've now watched as much as I have, and there's one big one that just got released recently that we're not going to cover just yet, single all the way, that just came out that's doing well for them, too. So far from what you've watched, is this the best Netflix Christmas movie season yet, or I I would characterize I think, as it has a pretty deep roster, but it's not the best? How would you characterize it? Um, yeah, I mean, looking back at it, you, you know me, I like my, my cheesy, uh, Christmas movies. So I look at yeah. the year that, um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, uh, Claus, Claus came out yeah. and, yeah. uh, I, I believe that was the same year that, um, that was two years ago now. Yeah. That was that two years ago. There was another yeah, one that's that, the same year as uh, we did Let It Snow and The Night Before Christmas was Night all Before in Christmas that episode. Yes, yeah. so I enjoyed all three of those movies. Uh, I know Night Before Christmas was really really corny. Um, yes, <laughs> yes, it but was. The, yeah, but I did enjoy it, and I really enjoyed Let It Snow, and I really, really, really honestly think Claus is like one of the best like animated uh, Christmas movies ever to be made ever. So. Yeah. Um, it's pretty hard to beat that lineup. Now, this lineup, I agree with you on the fact that it is a star-studded it is. lineup. That was probably the thing we we circled about all this. Yeah. You know, it had the big blockbuster, quote-unquote, like they've been trying to do with Christmas Chronicles or any of those. And then they sprinkle it in with a bunch of rom-com versions uh, mm-hmm. with a bunch of stars, people you've heard of, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, other, yeah, I mean, other than that, I, 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 it was a good roster this year so far. We got a couple more coming out before Christmas actually is done. 
But this is most of their roster, though, and I mean, we haven't ever, we <laughs> admittedly haven't touched the the Christmas switch ones oh. at all, and you know, obviously the the third one came out of that one uh, before this recording too, so. That's still in the air whether I'm going to touch that one uh, that, because everything about this new one, uh, I haven't heard a, a kind word. So uh, I don't know if we're going to go through that whole effort, but man, that that sounds uh, terrifying the more I think about it. But yeah, we'll see I how throw, this goes. Can I throw out an idea here? Sure. Christmas in July. Review the Christmas that, Switch movies. It's not bad because usually <laughs> there is like kind of like an opening because – in, in the last couple of years, you and I have done some kind of preview episode yep. that's been around September, October, yep. where I'm like, well, it's because, again, a dead part of the year. Yeah. But if I see an opening, because there's a rumor out there. Well, I don't want to say rumor, but there's a lot of stuff, articles out there that are saying Netflix in its near future is actually going to make less original movies going forward because they want to make better original movies Ooh. and not just have like a whole you know just throw it against the wall attitude that they yep. kind of had uh in the past few years so it's interesting i don't know what that means for for me or for uh their viewing audience or whatever but they they're trying to go quality over quantity now that they are you know cash flush they're actually positive in terms of money for the first time so now that they have all these subscribers i guess they want to you know go with the the competition and, and see like you know Disney Plus's model or HBO Max and stuff where they have like these big ticket things that make you want to stay. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. But today, my friend, yep. we got four big things for for everybody to take a look at if they haven't already and they could jump in on the review stuff. I I want to kind of see you know, kind of a non-spoilery thing uh -huh. uh, with these too much because, yes, they've been out. Some have been out. We were just talking like, yeah, I watched that like a month ago yeah. when it came out because uh, these things come out earlier and earlier. Um, but, you know, for some people, if they're just looking, you know, to see what they want, uh, you know, maybe want to see coming up in the holiday season, I figure we can give a decent amount of choices and kind of give them the thumbs up or thumbs down and let the people decide based on our recommendations what they want to watch. So let's start off with the big one uh, that we kind of circled going uh, into the season. A Boy Called Christmas is a movie that they had the the teaser a year ago. Yes. You were the one who brought that up actually on our, our preview yep. episode. And, you know, this is a movie that is kind of a co-production. This is kind of like Netflix stepping in and getting the rights to this movie to play where we live anyway in the u.s if you're a uk listener you're like uh hey man that's a sky original what are you talking about <laughs> um so whatever <laughs> you know yeah. we're all just trying to get the christmas spirit so sky netflix whatever it's all good this time of year uh but for here in the u.s uh a boy called christmas is a netflix original so we're going to cover that one here um it's a movie that is growing more and more interesting by the day with the, the people who are involved because Gil Keenan is getting all kinds of love right now for Ghostbusters Afterlife, which he wrote. Um, and huh. it's kind of seeing you know a parallel now between is he the go-to guy right now in Hollywood to kind of get your, your feelings up, you know, your childhood wistfulness and, and huh. memories and, and really kind of... He has a, a, a pulse, a finger on the pulse to uh, kind of, you know, see, spark a little joy, that childhood uh, insight and memory stuff. So it's interesting that he's the person who gets to be front and center with this movie as well. And so he also made Monster House, too, which yeah. is a movie that I, I enjoyed uh, that was produced by Steven Spielberg. And that movie's like, oh, God, at least 10 years old or more now. Um, so yeah. he's had a pretty good career, but it's a kind of an interesting, uh, few and far between. Um, this was also co-written co by old Barker who did, uh, the best exotic Marigold hotel movies, which I actually kind of enjoy as well, which kind of tips to, uh, I believe Maggie Smith is in those. So you get kind of the, the hook with those as well. Uh, pardon the pun because she's also in hook, um, no, but no. it's interesting that I bring up hook too. Cause when, when I, 
watch this movie for the first time. When the movie opens, because you get Maggie Smith and her family uh, involved here, she kind of feels like the the beginning of Hook when yeah. she's kind of telling the story of Peter Pan, like mm-hmm. through that whole thing. Uh, it's interesting that they maybe tried to use her to tap into that. Did you get that feeling at all when you were first watching it? Uh, everybody's going to hate me for this. I've never seen Hook. Oh, really? Wow. And we're like the same age, too, man. How did that happen? I don't know, man. I just never seen it. Um, Well, bang a ring on you, man. (laughs) It kind of gave me the... the, I've seen multiple other movies that kind of use this, going back to the word that you use, uh, hook, on where um, it's a storytelling movie. The the, the adult is telling the the kids a story about, you know, what happened in the past. And most of the time the movie is related to the person telling, telling the story. Uh, you've seen it. Yeah. In never ending story. Kind of like the same kind of thing where they're kind of like yeah. the, the movie in they're reading the movie or telling the movie, the story of the movie through their eyes or whatever. So, yeah, it's funny. I, I thought this movie felt like a throwback, like an eighties, nineties yeah. kind of movie because of that. I, mm-hmm. I did actually write down never ending story. It it does kind of have that yeah. kind of feel or like a return to Oz or mm-hmm. these types uh, of things. Narnia, like where, Narnia too. Like I had like a Narnia kind of feel. A little to bit, it, so. yeah. 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 Yeah, because you're you know, you're you're going in the past, you're trying to tell this wistful story i actually wrote down how how silly i felt that i was watching someone tell the story that starts with someone telling the a bedtime story at the same time it was like it was like inception for like you know <laughs> getting kids to go to bed it was very interesting to see how they opened that movie um but i like how how they integrated maggie smith into it because i was actually jarred by the beginning of this movie uh with how um, bold she was because I don't want to use the word that I actually want to do because it's kind of a spoiler. But um, she actually ends up being an, an integrated part of this whole thing. And it, it's very interesting that she's not just the family and you get to kind of work around that uh, as well. But before we get into our initial thoughts, just wanted to highlight, you know, we keep saying Maggie Smith, but man, this is the one that was like the star-studded one. Uh, especially people who have worked together a lot before. Yeah. Um, y- you have people from Game of Thrones, uh, you know, where, what was it, Mikhail Huseman, uh Jim Broadbent, and Joel Fry were all in Game of Thrones. Maggie Smith, Jim Broadbent, and Toby Jones were all from Harry Potter. Uh, Broadbent, Sally Hawkins, and Joel Fry are all from Paddington. So it's like the who's who of like British character actors yep. all in one place. So it's very cool uh, to see that at this point. Plus, as we noted before, like there's creatures abound with this one. There's a, a decent amount of production design and in, in terms of the the elf land and you know uh, there's a troll here, a truth pixie, reindeer, talking mouse. Like you get like this whole kind of you know yes CGI where it's maybe you know a little bit at arm's length as opposed to maybe some of these other Christmas stories we see in the past. But you know it like we said it. it it's kind of a throwback film, but updated in terms of the production design. So it's it's interesting. I didn't see the production budget, but I'd like to look at what it is uh, because this one definitely being something that Netflix, I don't think, you know, obviously didn't produce onto its own. It was more of a uh, rights acquisition. So it, it definitely has a little bit more value in terms yeah. of some of the designs that are stuff that's Netflix original uh, whole cloth from mm-hmm. from production to start so without further ado sir i am very curious to know your overall feelings on this one after watching a boy called christmas all right so if you remember when we uh when we talked about it earlier in our our preview episode um when i watched the trailer i got big big giant vibes off one of my favorite christmas movies santa claus is coming to town the Mm -hmm. old school claymation uh, yeah, the Rankin Bass stuff. Yeah, yeah. So as I'm watching this movie, I got a lot of vibes still from that movie. A lot of it is kind of the same, uh, kind of the same story of a boy searching to. I'm trying not to spoil her. I'm, it's yeah, hard to, sure. Yeah, it's hard not to spoil this. Uh, but it, basically, you got a boy that is trying to quote unquote kind of save Christmas, or or in this case, is trying to invent 
Christmas, I guess, of some sorts. Um, yeah, it's not his his first and foremost thought. It's really kind of just an adventure thing, trying to seek uh, back out his father, save his father, or try to do something for the town. It's very simple in its design, but yeah, it does have this, obviously bigger aspirations that are kind of built into the title. Yeah, there's so many there's so many more elements involved with this movie. There's a lot more side stories to do with his life and why exactly what is going on and what is happening and why he's doing the things that he's doing. Obviously Santa Claus is coming to town. It's just like a really basic, uh, there's a villain and he's trying to, you know, bring the toys to the town to make the town happy again. Uh, whereas right. this one has like a lot more to it, a lot more, uh, a lot more emotion in this movie. I can tell you that. Sure. My biggest thing about the whole movie was at the end of the movie, I'm trying to think before I even say like, if I liked it or not, um, sure. I'm try- I was trying to think of really the age of what this movie was like directed towards. I don't know if you got if it's easy for you to think of it, but it was really really hard for me to think of it because for a younger kid, I don't think there's enough going on in this movie to keep them into the movie for an hour and forty minutes. Yeah, and, and my for- my usual rule of thumb is how old is the protagonist? Because the age kind of goes along with that. That was kind of our problem with, or quote-unquote problem, even though it's a really good movie. I For how much I liked Klaus, yeah. I didn't understand exactly like what the key demographic. It's kind yeah. of like just an overall family film where everybody has to be above probably a certain age, like double digits or at least eight and above or whatever. But that movie is kind of adultish because it's like the the main character's an adult. He's dealing with, you know, trying to impress his dad and all these other things, and, and he's getting, you know, he has like kind of a relationship thing going on. So there's like a lot if you're like eight yeah. to, to watch Klaus, you know, and, you know, kind of a, a scary town to start and all that stuff. Yep. There's a bunch of stuff. But this one, I don't know how old I would characterize that kid as, but I would say, you know, if you're probably say again the like 10, 10 to twelve yeah. range, somewhere around there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so I would say if you're around that age and you're sitting around looking for something to watch with the family, I think that's the key demo for this one. I think you're right, though. If you're too young, it's and again, it kind of harks to the ones we were saying they were kind of hark, uh, throwing back to. If mm-hmm. I told someone to watch Never Ending Story. Like, never-ending story is fucking terrifying to, yeah. like, a little kid. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, this movie doesn't go that hard. This is It'd be more boring, I guess, for a kid, more than scary. This movie's not scary at all. Yeah. Um, although it has, you know... But there's some se- there's uh, some heavy a- scenes in this movie where... There is. That's, that's where I was trying... Like, like, definitely the younger crowd. Um, I don't... Like I said earlier, I don't think there's enough in this movie to keep the attention of a younger child, but I think you hit it right uh, where I would say in the nine to 12 range. And then I really, really honestly really thought about it. And before we even said anything, people our age are going to like this movie because it is a, it is a throwback. It's a throwback to when we were younger and we got, these are the kind of movies that we got growing up. So I really honestly think this, this is a good movie for, I had a ton of adults that are my age when I said I was watching it on Facebook uh, put on the comments that they, they really enjoyed the movie. None of them mentioned anything about their kids, but all the right. adults are like, Oh, this was a great movie. This was a really good movie. I really honestly think this is a movie for like right in that 40 year old in that age right there where it's a throwback to what we used to watch. Well, again, it kind of lines up nicely, too, right? Which I think Gil Keenan kind of is a smart person to key in on where if you're 40, you probably have a 10-year-old kid. So it kind of is the perfect match of, like, you get to throw back and enjoy something that feels nostalgic for your childhood, but also your child can enjoy it as a first-time watch with you. So it's it's cool in that way that you can all kind of enjoy that all at the same time but so now i'm curious because you've been kind of i don't know you're a little subdued I, here you don't seem to be your rah-rah self so I'm i was gonna say to know what the overall is i i i wanted to like this movie so much i did i 
honestly, I, I like the way it looks. Um, I liked some of the characters. The story was so boring to me. It was so boring. <laughs> it was so cliche. It is, it is pretty basic. It's so cliche. The whole thing, um, everything that is that is supposed to be a quote unquote surprise is foreshadowed all through the movie. So like yeah. by the time you get to the end and you get the big reveal that you're supposed to see, I'm going to say 90% of the people have know what the big reveal is. So there's no big right. reveal. The story is just really, really, really basic. I don't know, man. I, I really wanted to like, and I just didn't, I didn't, I, I, I just didn't. I thought it was, I, I, okay. So I would say number one, I watched this movie twice and the yep. second time I definitely enjoyed it more mm. because I knew what I was in for i felt like it moved faster in the second watch too the first time i was like you know kind of <sighs> dragged out for you're, me you're, man. Bar- you're buried under like i said you're first introduced to one family then they're reading a story about another family to start then you got to go on the initial adventure then you got to go through all the hoops then you got like you're so you're constantly being reintroduced to a bunch of things so it it doesn't streamline and you constantly have to kind of reset in this movie to kind of get through it. So it's, it's not the smoothest ride in terms of all that, which is why, um, and I'll, I'll actually go over them at the end, but so I've now made a letterboxed uh, yeah. list uh, of the Netflix what, uh, films okay. that we've covered and, and ranked them. All right. So this movie I feel like is towards the top, but not top tier. So like, you know, I'll I'll go over them at the end, but yeah. I would probably say it's probably in the, you know, top five, maybe, maybe a little or somewhere on there, but not yours. Like yeah, in yours, mine, mine, yeah, okay. yes, okay. yeah, okay. for right. me. I am speaking for myself, yes. Yeah. Um, but but if you count like all the the short films, which I did as well, I think yeah, mm. I have this, I have this one at number five. Mm. But that was that is without seeing like some of the other ones for this year. Um, so. But just based on, if you can imagine, Chad, mm. we've covered, I think, something like 13, maybe 14. Oh, man, ones. I would have said more, uh, but yeah. Yeah, it should be not, right around well, there somewhere. Yeah, so we've been doing this, I think, three or Three or four three years. years. Yeah, yeah. So well, both... I guess it'd be th- three or four. It, we, I've been doing this podcast. Uh, yeah. Congratulate me now. Slap on the back. <laughs> uh, three, uh, it'll be three years in okay. four days. So. Um, but we started with that. Yeah. So we've covered multiple Netflix uh, seasons that we, you and I did. Christmas Chronicles to start. Oh, yeah. That yeah. Was, and then That'd the following year. That'd be my number year, one right there. So the following year, I believe, was the Klaus year. Mm-hmm. And then the year after that was last year with Christmas Chronicles 2, Jingle Jangle, and uh, Alien, Alien Nation. Xmas? Or Xmas, yeah. Xmas, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Uh, to be honest, that's I think my my favorite year of what they've done so far, if, if, with like the biggest things. But uh, it doesn't have my favorite. I still think Klaus is number one. Um, so one of the I'm basically giving you my list now. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> shut up. But just, just going back to this movie, just real quick, one last thing I just wanted to say about do. it. Now you get this uh, like kind of like a, I mean I'm 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 comparing it to a movie that it's nothing like, but uh, you have Shrek where you have like a side partner. So you see in the previews already that this kid is going to have a side. It's a mouse. Um, It's no spoilers or anything. But you get to one certain point where you're like in the back of my head because I wasn't enjoying the movie up until this point. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is where it's going to change for me because now he's going to have a sidekick. And the sidekick is voiced by Steven Merchant, who I love. And I'm like, you're you're, I just I didn't get – the comedy, uh, the sidekick that I wanted. There was some scenes Agreed. in this movie where it was like, I just don't want to go too deep into it. So I'll just shut up. But um, I'm with you. Just sure, some scenes. There was just some scenes that were really, really, really terribly shot where it was almost like the mouse. Like he had witty comments, like witty comebacks every once in a while. Yeah. But there was like, there was one scene where, like normally you would have the witty comment and the mouse in the scene, but it was almost mm. like the mouse wasn't even in the scene and you just hear the voice. So it's like yeah. almost like they just added it in like at some point and didn't could have been. 
and didn't change like the mouse being in the scene with him. Like the mouse wasn't even in the scene. Like it was, but all of a sudden you hear the voice, and it had like a witty comeback, which wasn't even fun. It wasn't funny in the first place, but it was just right. It was some really weird. Maybe this is because the, this is this is why it took so long for it to come out. Um, maybe, maybe maybe they just had a lot of like stuff to redo and just work on. But I could buy that. But I can understand why some people would like this movie. I mean, it's a good, simple, just sit down and, and watch and kind of turn off your mind, I guess, and just watch it. And uh, Yeah, and, and and again, we're also viewing this as me. Like uh, my, my family is, yeah. n- you know, Jewish, so we're not sitting around mm. watching this movie. I'm watching yeah. it individually. You're watching it individually, uh, pretty much at this point. Yeah. It, um. So I don't think you know we're seeing it in through the the lens that everybody else who might enjoy is a little bit more, or the yeah. experience that other people can do, which I think would kind of rank it up a notch. To mm-hmm. be honest, um, I'm. Not too far from you. I enjoyed the movie. And like I said, the second time was a little bit better. I think, like you said, I echo a lot of the same things you say. It's a little too convenient Christmas origin story. It's got, you know, uh, an awkward start with Maggie Smith, even though they explain at the end, it's still jarring to be the opening of your movie in that form. Um, it, but it definitely has its charms. Uh, it definitely has that sense of wonder that you want in in times. It's not the most compelling characters, which is kind of what I hear a lot from you as well, especially if you're going to go through the eyes of this kid. It's his first movie, which is very yeah. impressive for he this kid good. to be performing. He was good. Yeah, but I agree. It could have used a little more humor. Could have used a little a little tightness, a little little shorter because it's such a basic story. Um and, Andrew, you, you know. Andrew, you have one of the funniest female actor actresses in the yeah. history of comedy, and they so misused her in this movie. Like, so misused her in this movie. She is literally one of the funniest people out there, and they just made her this evil, like, just throwaway character that at the end of the, like, you know you're not going to see her anymore. You're just like, yeah. oh, that was bad like it was yeah. just bad i'm sorry i i don't i don't like cutting down christmas especially christmas movies but yeah it was just it was just bad the misuse of some of the characters that they had in this movie yeah we had high hopes for what kristen wig was gonna bring to the yeah. table for everybody who uh you know joined on the party here the uh but i there's a whole separate conversation that you and I can have about mm-hmm. what Kristen Wiig is these days because, yeah. I mean, you're coming off Wonder Woman 1984, which a lot of people, including myself, didn't like her in or like that movie. I can't point to the last thing where I was like, she was a big part of something that I enjoyed. And I she was. Think, and all right, so a lot of people. Years. A lot of people didn't like um, uh, Ghostbusters, the the female right. version. A lot of people didn't I like blame that. Her. Yeah. But but she was good in that movie. She was, I thought she was good in that movie. I mean, but, but yeah, you. I mean, you got to go back probably four, five, six years before you yeah. really think of like a really really good movie that she was in. But even that movie, if you want to write it, like I think even that's now five years. Yeah. More. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't particularly enjoy that. I don't think that's a casting problem, that mm. movie. I think it's more of a story problem than yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not anti-female Ghostbuster. I'm anti-just oh, yeah, yeah. constructed movies. But, like, the it's interesting that we're talking about Ghostbusters and then Gil Keenan, who kind of gets a little bit of sort of what Ghostbusters is trying to do now, or at least you know, is trying to do in a rebooted mm-hmm. situation um, and was more successful. I'm still yet to see it, so my my views are, are not there yet. <laughs> I like your raised eyebrow at that one. Um, and I have heard mixed things. I'm, again, I, I think a lot of it is what your expectations are or what kind of what you are comfortable with. If you're a person trying to recapture your childhood, well, then that's never going to happen and you might get disappointed. But if you're going in with you and your child and trying to enjoy something. I think it speaks to a lot of how we're talking about this movie too, where your experience might be elevated a little bit if you're going to try to just enjoy it for what it is. So 
you know, again, without seeing the movie, I'm not going to get into a rabbit hole because I have no, I have no uh, dog in the fight. And we'll say point, so, so. one thing, and that's it. We can move on about Ghostbusters. Yeah, and yeah. Ghostbusters. I cried. I, I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. I cried. All right. That that movie hit a spot. If you were a Ghostbusters fan, uh, it hit a spot in your heart at the very end of that movie where I don't think any other like reboot or whatever you want to call it, um, right. you know, aftermath, um, any other kind of movie like that has ever done to me personally. Uh, I mean, I was weeping like a little baby. Like yeah. it, was, it was bad. It was bad. I felt bad. Like I was like, I can't believe I'm crying right now. But right. yes, it did. It did. So. Well, and and to that effect, uh, you know, with this movie, I've been crying at goddamn everything because I'm an emotional mess. I'm a dad, oh, me too. I'm a, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, and we, yeah, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. The fact that this movie, which should, you know, kind of grab something inside of you, I didn't. No. So, if you want to take that for the notch below, yeah. you know, just take it for what it is. Right now, IMDb has. A 6.8 tomato meter is 85%. I was actually floored at this. The critics like the movie better than the audience in Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, really? Mm. Oh, okay. And then Letterboxd has a 3.1. So it's getting favorable reviews. I think, you know, we're kind of in that middling grade here. You know, maybe you a notch below me. So, Mm. you know, I think, again, I think especially if you are in your late 30s early 40s and you're watching it with your family you could do a lot worse than watching this movie oh yeah this is a a good ride at times once it really kicks in um the one thing i will say give me the jingle jangle uh town more Mm. than this town any day of the week the production design on that movie was way better than this movie which for a movie that seems like it should have cost more and have a bigger budget and something really to go into I think the Elf Town was a little less than what I was hoping. That I was, was hoping for more grandness. That was just you know? another weird thing about the whole movie is like it's just like you said, it's just like you're it kind of amps you up for this like Elf Town. And then when you finally get to Elf Town, it's kind of it's it was a letdown. Like you're like, eh, this is I've But it's seen... kind of supposed to be. And that's I, why I I'm like so, kind of mixed yeah. on it, but I'm like but it didn't like rise to prominence after all the events took place. So you could, there's a lot maybe to unpack with that, but yeah. Some really, we, dude, we got Andrew, there's some really, really, really weird scenes in this movie too. And I will talk to you after this about it. But there's some, <laughs> okay. there's a couple of scenes in this movie where I was literally just watching the, what am I watching right now? Like, what is this going on? I yeah. will talk to you after because it will be a spoiler, but. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. There, there's definitely some scenes in this movie where I'm just like, "What is this doing in a Christmas movie? Like, it doesn't belong in a Christmas <laughs> movie." So, yeah, we'll get to that later on. Yeah, the donkey show was a little off-putting. Thanks for bringing <laughs> that up, Chad. <laughs> Attention, culture consumers! Join me, the Queen of Queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights, Colleen McMillan, Flo Siegel, and Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. The next one is the first one that came out of the season, and I was surprised Mm. Uh, by how popular it was too, like right out of the gate, because it came out November fifth, and it's like, holy crap, we're doing this already! Yeah. And then, bam, it's in the Netflix top ten. Uh, you know, definitely hit people in the right spot. I think partially because this movie, Love Hard, is basically a rom com that they're like, you know what? We could just make this into a Christmas movie. Exactly. <laughs> I th- I th- it was literally like uh, the story about uh, the first 21 Jump Street movie where yeah. they were like, yeah, we're, we made a buddy cop movie. Well, we don't really want to do that. What if we slap the 21 Jump Street thing? Okay, we'll make it now. It's franchise IP. So now this one is kind of that for 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 the purposes of this. Um, Jimmy O. Yang. Yep. Uh, from Silicon Valley and Crazy Rich Asians. And if you watched a previous Netflix movie that I haven't seen, El Camino Christmas, mm. he was apparently in that as well. Co-stars with Nina 
Dubra Dubrev. Yeah, something like that. I was. I'll say that. Sure. Yeah. Um, she from the Vampire Diaries. She's actually going to be in another Netflix movie coming out in 2022, The Outlaw, uh, with Pierce Brosnan. So this movie is about an L.A. girl unlucky in love, falls for an East Coast guy on a dating app, and decides to surprise him for the holidays, only to discover that she's been catfished. This lighthearted romantic comedy chronicles her attempt to reel in love. So it's interesting uh, this movie is more getting huge audience lift, and the critics are not liking this at as much. Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite of the last film, um, where it's got a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes for the audience meter, but only mm. a 50 in terms of the critics. So you can kind of see where the scales are tipping there. When I first kind of was going through this, it's not surprising that this movie was uh, a first-time script. Uh, because I felt like this movie was at times uh, kind of a incredibly tropey, b very referential. It, like literally, the title is a reference. It's mm. Love Hard is the combination of their two favorite Christmas movies, Love yeah. Actually and Die Hard. Yeah, and just sandwiched it into a movie <laughs> title. So I love you got it. that. Yeah. Um, but then they also, you know, reference things like While You Were Sleeping and other rom-coms. They, they, oh, there's a lot of stuff here. They even go through the whole uh, Baby It's Cold Outside being too rapey thing. It's literally like they just comb through the internet, like, what is the hot topics of Christmas? And, like, for millennials, and was just like, all right, let's just pile them all in here. With all that said, I feel like I'm obviously sounding like I'm going to crap on this movie. I kind of enjoy it though. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Like, it, 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 I honestly, especially this is a movie that's produced by McG too, on top of all the things for how much uh, stuff I've given McG crap about all these years. But yeah, this is, there are certain things that are a little far fetched in here. It's very meta. Like I was saying, it's weirdly enjoyable though, especially for how odd this pairing is. Um, and I think it's because I love jimmy o yang in this and his family shout out to james saito who i love in everything uh who is also in always be my maybe if anyone saw that uh because we covered that here on the podcast he was also uh the original shredder in teenage mutant ninja turtles yep. he was yep. in tiger tail another netflix original we covered here so give it to me straight here chad are you loving love hard or not i liked it um, I wouldn't say I loved it. Um, I did like it a lot. Uh, it was right on the, the, the cusp of loving it. Um, Jimmy O. Yang, for people that don't know him, is hilarious. Uh, he was the funniest part of Silicon Valley for me. Yes. Uh, I mean, the, the small role that he did have in it. And that's why yeah. I, I was excited to see this movie because – I was excited to see him in a main role, like in a, in a, because yeah. he, you know, he, he was a side character in Silicon Valley. He was a side character, uh, kind of like in Crazy Rich Agents. Like he wasn't the main guy in there. Yeah, he's comic relief. He yeah. is that guy because he is a stand up comedian now trying to get into the acting game more and more. So I was, I was, I was really, really, really excited to see him as a main character and see if, if he could help carry a movie along with his co star. He did it, man. Like he yeah. he, he he was funny throughout. I kind of I kind of I don't know who writ, wrote the movie or whatever, but I'm really hoping Jimmy O Yang had something to do with like how funny the movie was. The movie was legit, like super funny. And like you said, his family was great. I love the dad. Um, he was maybe one of my favorite characters in in the whole movie. Uh, yeah. It was just, it was good. And then on top of that, I mean, you know, watching a movie for an hour and 40 minutes, however long it was, and getting to stare at Nina Dubrov or Breve or whatever her name is. Yeah. Like for an hour and 40 minutes. Nothing wrong with that either. I mean, she is super hot. So, yeah. And, and, she's, and, and she's a good actress too. I mean, she did good she in is. this movie too. So, uh, just, you know, just an added bonus right there. I, I enjoyed this movie. How did you feel about the pairing? Because a lot of the movie is them kind of faking being in a relationship, but also cultivating this kind of friendship and then obviously see where it goes from there. How did you feel about them as a side-by-side -side thing going forward? 
I mean, it's just another one of those movies where you knew what was going to happen at the end. Um, yeah. It's not. I'm going to sound like a a horrible person here, but it's not <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> If this happened in real life, this wouldn't happen in real life. Like, it's it's a movie, but it's yeah. also uh, a everybody likes everybody likes to watch a movie where the the person that's quote unquote in, in last place gets to be in first place. It's a it's a right. trope that all these movies use, where it, it could be it could be anywhere from you know somebody being an asshole and then all of a sudden changing into a good person. Um, it could be yeah. just like this really, really nice, like, you know, larger guy that isn't attract. like girls usually aren't attracted to all of a sudden they get the girl, um, right. you know, those kind of tropes. And this is that kind of trope where you're watching the movie, but at the same time, I didn't care where it was going to go. I knew where it was going to go. I was right. just enjoying the movie for the characters and how it was written and the jokes and, where it took me i enjoyed the the path that it took me on so i didn't mind the the relationship i mean like i said i know in real life this is never gonna happen like if somebody actually did this in real life he might be in jail like i i don't know like you know what i'm like, like right I, I don't know but yeah it is maybe a little bit of a leap to really kind of see how it kind of you know, comes together where how desperate she might be to kind of stay and kind of work within the construct here. But uh, how did you feel about the interrogation of kind of like the discussion piece of catfish versus like being a fake person or going for things with that on the surface or, you know, kind of putting your, your fake self out there trying to meet people being kind of a similar thing as catfishing because they kind of do play that where they've tried to make her seem just as bad quote unquote as what he did with the catfishing thing. Yes. Um, I, I'm a firm believer as you always got to put yourself out like however you are, but at the same time, there is also the side of the story where maybe the guy or the girl, wh whoever's mm. on the, the, the one side may never actually get a chance to meet that certain somebody without maybe lying a little bit or whatever. I'm not saying right. it's, it's, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's something that you should do, but there's right. also that little, little like point of view where you can look at it. Like, yes, they would have never met. Like if this was a real scenario in real life right. and they ended up being together forever, you can look right. back at it and be like, yeah, I mean, it would have never happened if he didn't do what he did. Is it technically wrong because it ended up being really good? I mean, it's one of those things where you got to, I don't know, man, it's like a, it's a very, very thin line. Um, I, I think he went overboard with like posting different pictures of different guys and a, a different guy. Yeah, you don't want to be completely false, but yeah, because but maybe bending the rules a little bit might not work for everybody, but it might work for some. I I don't know, you know what I mean? Like I don't do the online dating was, thing anyway, so I don't know, man. I don't know much about yeah, it. So thank goodness I never did either, because yeah, I've known it's my crazy wife to me. So long, I, it really didn't work out that way either. But man, yeah, it, it's tough, and and. We're, even in the social media age, I like how they kind of talked about it where it's like, we all, do you ever put bad things out there? You know, we all put all our best photos, all, out, the, best all the best view of our, all the best things. So it makes us all look like we're just all doing just fine. <laughs> like we're, we're either lying to ourselves or to other people all the time. So I liked how they kind of mixed that in there and the, and the old folks home trying to teach them, you know you know, not to lie on their stuff while trying to make that work. Even though it was very put on, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Or at least I enjoyed the thought and the conversation of it. Um, you could save your diehard Christmas movie conversations or your baby is cold outside. Mm -hmm. thing. Okay, fine, whatever. Those things yeah. are so outdated, so rehashed, I didn't care. But the, the overall story, I was kind of into yeah. it. Um, I, I felt like it was still enjoyable, like I said, even though they make a, a very odd pair, uh, you know, where it kind of, you know, I think I like the ride maybe more than the ending, mm -hmm. but I, I, I think it, it definitely works uh, all the way through. The next movie is another rom-com mm. that I think 
<laughs> you were telling me off air for good or for bad. Let's see uh, that you said you could talk about all day uh, is a castle for Christmas, which came out over the Thanksgiving holiday uh, here in the U.S. Um, Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes are the stars of this one. It's about uh, a best-selling author who, to escape a scandal, journeys to Scotland where she falls in love with a castle and faces off with a grumpy duke who owns it. Um, this movie is pro- more kind of getting into the prototypical kind of almost feeling lifetimey, but has big stars yeah. kind of vibe. Um, and and the scores uh, reflect it. I mean, it's got a 2.2 on Letterboxd, a 40% audience score. I was actually shocked that it has a 75% tomato meter from the critics. Like, okay, that's shocking. Because, again, <laughs> even IMDb is a 5.5. Yeah. Um, so this movie was uh, uh, one, especially how this movie starts. I, I feel like I keep repeating myself, like, these movies with these really tough starts. Um, because this movie is a real tough start because it's all the scandal stuff. It's it's the Drew Barrymore of it all, Drew Barrymore of it all, which uh, is b- bad in the front and the back <laughs> and any part in between. It's not Terrible. good. Terrible. Um, so, so with that tough start, I thought I was going to roll my eyes throughout this film, mm-hmm. and somehow <laughs> I kind of like ended up being – as satisfied as I could with this one. I'm not saying I loved it or anything, but I was expecting to come in here like fire blazing, like Jesus eye roll, you know, whole thing. Uh, Instead, I got the best dog in the world uh, to be in this movie mixed with an amazing sweater game and very charming townsfolk, you know, where I was like, yeah, I kind of want to join a knit group. Oh, yeah, and man. Hang out in Scotland for a while. As a person who went to Ireland uh, for his honeymoon and kind of saw a similar landscape, small town stuff everywhere. Yeah, it's it's literally, it's just fluffy and it has just enough Christmas tossed on the end to like kind of qualify, even though it's like right there in the title. It's like, well, the Christmas of it all isn't really uh, that important, so, quote unquote. It gets a little more important towards the end. But, and I will say, for how much I love this man, Carrie Elwes, his accent is a chore at times. <laughs> uh, and and him, uh, speaking of pairs, him and Brooke Shields is passable enough. Uh, a lot of it's kind of like a love-hate thing throughout, so you're kind of going back and forth. But, you know, I actually, <laughs> by the end, I care more about her, like, potentially leaving her friends and that dog behind more than the Duke. <laughs> so I think, you know, I I did get wrapped up in the castle of it all. I do love a good castle. Mm. I've always wanted to live in a castle. I, I remember when I went to Ireland and, uh, you know, there's castles everywhere. There's so many castles in Ireland that by the, I remembered by the Guinness factory, um, they had a castle that was turned into a vacuum cleaner store. And I was like, there are fucking too many castles in this joint that were converting them into retail, oh, like basic, basic retail. So that is bad. But when you get the the Christmas decorations on a castle and really light it up, there that's that's beautiful. That's yeah. just that's just the holidays right there. So all in all, it does have things that I found charming and and made me kind of like get into the spirit a little bit. Yeah. Even though I can literally probably give you a laundry list of like, well, yeah, that's stupid. Of course that's stupid. This is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and Drew Barrymore being the roughest watch of it all. Um, so you, sir, how would you characterize this movie after you've now watched it? Well, I mean, you started off perfectly because that was exactly what I was going to start off with. Uh, Going into this movie, I had no idea what to expect. I know Brooke Shields is like a big name, but in the back of my head, as I'm starting this movie, I'm like, why is he such a big name? Like, what has she done? So, okay. Blue Lagoon, right? Right. So Blue she started Lagoon. her career with Blue Lagoon and being like a big time model. Yeah. So like she, All right, she so had she's... a lot of like cachet. Okay. And then and then she got her own sitcom for a while, Suddenly Susan. Oh, I didn't for, even know that. In in that NBC block of things, if I okay. remember correctly. So like must I totally see forgot about NBC that. Thursdays or whatever. Yeah. And then so that was on for quite a few years. But she did 
go through a rough patch. Uh, I read this on her Wikipedia. So I don't think I'm like stalking Brooke Shields. <laughs> I, I, I this is kind of like researching because I, I had a similar feeling there, Chad, where I was like, where is Brooke Shields? Yeah. Been? Like, so, you know, she kind of goes with, unfortunately, a lot of people who were kind of TV and sitcom people, mm. they kind of go and do stuff like this. They do, yeah. like, a Christmas movie a year. We, we talk about it when um, Rachel Lee Cook's kind of resurfacing now, mm. right? To where it's like, okay, well, where where's she for, like, a decade? Yeah. Well, she's kind of just kind of either been a mom in real life or being a mom in these small world things or doing Christmas movies mm. to kind of just keep afloat. And then now... Maybe trying to get back into it uh, in earnest because I know uh, for Brooke Shields not to be a downer. I get she came out with a thing about uh, going through depression after having her kids, and she even wrote a book on it. So yeah, she's even an author in real life, folks. Uh, that's the nice tie-in that you came to this podcast for. Um, but yeah, I guess she went through a rough time to where she wasn't doing a whole lot, and now maybe this is is this the launching pad that you're hoping for for Brooke Shields? I guess is the better question. I mean, uh, as long as they're doing like more Christmas movies like this, I'll be fine with it. But yeah, sure. I mean, the the beginning of this movie is very rough with Drew Barrymore. Um, I didn't even know. I I don't even know. Is that a real show? Like, she, does she really have a talk show? She does. She does have a daytime talk show. It makes me want to watch it just a little bit to see if it's <laughs> as bad as it, as this movie is, because they had zero chemistry for one, zero chemistry. Yeah, it's not great. It was rough. <laughs> and then just for the fact that people are protesting and rioting over a book that kills off a character. I'm sorry for the spoiler. Uh, that right. kills off a character is ridiculous. It's like super ridiculous. So I'm going into this movie already assuming everything in this movie is going to be ridiculous. Like everything. <laughs> like there's right. going to be aliens coming down and, and taking shots with them. Like and. Uh, and she's gonna go swimming in a in a bathtub of Guinness. Like it's gonna be over the the top, like fucking just sure. crazy shit. Sure. After the Drew Barrymore scenes and before the ending of the Drew Barrymore scenes, was almost a near perfect Christmas movie for me. Yeah, yeah. The once you get in the <laughs> town, you're good. I, literally, a almost perfect Christmas movie. What I love to watch. Those Drew Barrymore scenes. How good was that dog, though? The dog was awesome. I don't like dogs. I love the dog. I don't. I'm not even a dog fan. I love the dog. Loved him. Impressive dog. Yes. Um, But yes, I I totally agree with you on everything about the the uh, the towns. The townspeople were awesome. Everybody had like. So sometimes a movie will try to introduce you to characters and they give you a little too much, and you. It's not that you. They give you a little too much where you you start caring a little too much about the characters, if that right. makes sense. In this movie, you get a little bit of the characters. You get to know the characters, but it's not that you don't care about them, but you're not you don't care about nothing happening to them. Like this, like they're just side characters. I love that aspect of this movie where you get all these fun characters, and you get like little side pieces of the characters. Yeah. And eventually, you know, all of them come to a piece at the end, like all come together at the end. But you don't get like this drawn off. Like you don't get a long story about the old lady and how 40 years ago, you know, she lost her husband and she's been fighting this. And, like, you know, you yeah. don't get those long stories. That's what drags out a movie most of the time. Yes. It's just short and sweet. Uh, you get a, this relationship that's very typical of a lot of these movies where what I liked what they did was I guess his character was kind of an asshole, but he wasn't like a complete asshole. Like you can no, tell they, like they he has an issue about that. Yeah. yeah I, I like that aspect. Cause usually in a movie like this, you get one person that's being a real, real, real asshole or just being really bitchy. And you don't get this in this movie. You get two actually like pretty good characters that are trying to do good. And you just get a conflict of interest between the two of them at first. Yeah. I, I loved it, man. I, I love this movie from, like I said, from bookending the Drew Barrymore scenes, near perfect Christmas movie for me. Uh, the scenery was awesome. Um, I've never been, I've never been to uh, Scotland. 
Scotland. Yeah, Scotland. I'd never been to Scotland. It made me want to go to Scotland. Like, yeah. it's beautiful. There was some jokes in it that was really clever. Um, yeah. The storyline was, like I said, the storyline was basic, but at the same time, it the movie moved along, and the movie moved along in a good pace. And then, like you said, when you get a castle and you dress it up for Christmas, you can't beat it, man. You can't beat it. It's yeah, it's and beautiful. Like I said, sweater games, charming Sw- town folk, keep games. it light, and don't go too hard. You know, like and you were saying, go to go to, keep it surface enough and just move on. And that's what they did. They they just just you, enough you light loved, touches. Whatever you character. loved, every character. There's no reason yeah. not to like. Any not not like any character. You loved every single character. That's how a Christmas movie should be. There shouldn't be. Yeah. Maybe there should be a villain, like maybe a villainous character. But it's also good to be just like a good-hearted movie where everybody is good. Like, just yeah, I, good. I love a town with character, like where the town is its own character. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's honestly why I'm such a big Gilmore Girls fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like. I enjoy the the small town nature where everybody kind of has a little bit of a personality. Like you know enough about these things, and this has kind of some of that charm to it. Dude, and the taxi cab driver, the taxi yeah. cab driver, right off the bat, the minute the minute she lands in Scotland, you get this like jolly little taxi cab driver that you see throughout the movie, yeah. and he's a good character. Like he's just in and out when he has to be in and out, and. Yeah. It's a good, very, it was a really good start of, um, you know, getting to know her a little bit more with their conversation and then getting to know him just enough where it, when he shows back up in the, in the movie, you're like, oh, he's, he's, he's on the scene again. Like he's, he's going to be doing something again. So right. yeah, it's just a love. It was a lovely movie. Yeah. I, I had an enjoyable enough time with it. I, I ended up feeling satisfied at the end, even though I, I like really had a tough time with aspects of it uh throughout but again once you're in that town you kind of just feel a part of it like mm-hmm. once she's truly in once she's truly in with the that kind of grouping in that hotel you cut your shoulders kind of relax you kind of just get into it and i think that's really the best part of this movie as you were saying and uh, i will reiterate for people who didn't listen to our preview thing it's amazing that this movie is even <laughs> makes coherent sense given the fact that Mary Lambert has the director here has the weirdest career I've ever heard in my life where she was a music video director like a big time one yep. for like Madonna, Janet Jackson, all these big time people who then went on to make Pet Cemetery 1 and 2 <laughs> and then just went into TV and kind of just got lost for a while and then now is making these type of movies uh like these kind of TV Christmas movie kind of stuff amazing what a what a diverse portfolio uh for mary lambert so kudos to her to um you know just going with the breeze basically just i'm i'm just gonna have fun and i'm into it so good on you mary lambert um i have one other thing for me i absolutely fell in love with the the younger character uh the younger girl that was hanging out um her her real name in real life is edith lone i had to look they did her hair yeah the green and she wore the green dress Absolutely yeah. fell in love with her. Something about her looks, something about just the way that she was acting and stuff. I was like, oh, one, I've never seen her before. I wonder what she's. I bet. I, I guess she's a big and upcoming star overseas. Like she's been in a lot okay. of like uh, a lot of British shows and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm actually want to go back and check out some of the other stuff that she's been in just from this movie. So. I love it when that happens. I yeah. love it when you can make a discovery, even on some of these little Netflix films. Uh, and I obviously that's a, a core tenet in, in this podcast is yeah. like, oh, cool. We'll just check out this little fun thing or this little fun actor or actress and, and kind of go forward. So that's awesome, man, that you had a good time with that. Yeah. Uh, and then Robin Robin mm. is uh, a good way for us to kind of end this uh, particular episode. Um, another thing that I watched uh there was like the bang, bang, bang of the the Thanksgiving break. It was Robin, Robin, uh, Castle for Christmas, and A Boy Called Christmas all came out in like three days. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild that they did all these back-to-back. Um, this one, I was looking forward to it. They were going to try to put this out last year. They kind of, I guess, kept it back and did a little more seasoning on this one. 
it's a stop motion animated short film done by the Ardman Animation Group, uh, who has done some of the the best uh, animated stuff between Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, Shaun the Sheep. You know, they're just really good. The movie flushed away, uh, keeps going on and on. This one is about, it's a short, it's only like 30 minutes long. A bird, it's about a bird raised by mice who begins to question where she belongs and sets off on a daring journey of self-discovery uh, with voices from people that you may know. Jillian Anderson from the X-Files is the cat in this one. Mm-hmm. Richard E. Grant, who was just in Loki, uh, is the magpie in this one. So it's a very cool, fun cast, a nice short with a heart, hearty message. It's getting really good reviews across the board. Uh, audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 83%. Letterboxd is 38 That's very high. IMDb is 7.2. Very impressed by this. I thought it had a great message. Uh, a, a very simple message. Uh, it's kind of like a, a quote-unquote ugly duckling-ish uh-huh. type of thing in a way, but obviously with a more purpose and kind of some fun adventure pieces that only really Ardman can do really well. Chad, what did you think of Robin Robin? Oh, I loved it, man. It was a good, nice, short little, like, you know, pick-me-up if you, if you needed a little pick-me-up during the day or something or at night. It wasn't overbearing with music. Like, I know it was listed as a musical, but uh, maybe yeah, no, I don't, maybe I don't three, that. yeah, but like maybe three, three different parts in it that were kind of musically like yeah. music. But um, other than that, man, it was a good movie. It was it was um, beautifully shot. Obviously, you know these guys know what they're doing with stop motion. It wasn't did they do Sean the Sheep too? Yes. Yeah. So okay. it's all that the animation will look very uh, normal. Some- you know. Similar. similar to you, yeah. something in that vein, because it is that group. But the people who did make this um, are new. Like, new. this okay. is their first thing in terms of writing and direction. So, you know, you can see more of a distinct style in terms of how they want to bring the, the animation to life. Um, but obviously you're going to see commonalities in terms of the stop motion and the kind of clay look and, and those type of things that make it very earthy. I love their type of animation. And in fact, uh, watching this made me want to uh, look forward to the next Chicken Run movie, but also maybe go back and kind of watch Chicken Run again because I remember enjoying that when that came Such out. Such a good movie. Yeah. Such a good movie. I know. Um, which, of course, I think... Uh, has been retro- retroactively uh, eliminated in my household. I have to watch it in secret because if I'm not mistaken, Mel Gibson's a voice on that one. Maybe. I want to say that's correct. I want to say the Lee, like kind of like chicken character is Mel Gibson. So uh, if my wife even hears his voice, uh, things will be thrown. <laughs> I think uh, not a big fan of Mel Gibson in our household uh, for that one, but I, I did enjoy this. I, I, I didn't really even pick up, kind of the the voice act yeah. like the Jillian Anderson of it all or any of that stuff. I thought it blended in quite nicely, but it was mm-hmm. just fun. Yeah, um, it was fun. And, and I I thought like the any of the stuff trying to go on those house adventures like that was very compelling. It was a lot of fun. Um and and the family. The family was a cool fun simple unit. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very British. Yep. Very very British. Very subdued but also a lot of fun. So yeah. I like that type of humor. I like this kind of thing and if you're a family I would definitely say this is right up in oh, yeah. uh, the alley of it's it's very it's not as Christmassy as any of these yeah. other ones for sure. It's very much just a portion of the story. It's kind of just, you know, I don't want to say it's a throwaway because they do make uh, a point about it and it is kind of tied into the last adventure. Yeah. But I will say uh, it's not like you're watching Alien Xmas from last year or whatever uh, and trying to – that's a whole on full-on yeah. Christmas short. This one is uh, a nice message movie that kind of ties into Christmas in a way, uh, and especially how humans seem to be uh, celebrating it on the outset. So I thought that was very cool. Um, so like I was telling you up top, man, kind of a deep bench this year. Like a yeah. lot of stuff where I was like, I don't hate anything. I at least have positive things to say about every single one of these things. And Robin Robin, I think, probably gets my highest marks. But that's kind of easy to do with a short if you really pull it off. Because, like, you're not telling a long story that can kind of come apart. So it's a little bit of a cheat code. But at the same time, yeah, I think we have a lot of 
a lot of quality stuff out of these four. Yeah. I was impressed because I think uh, the conversation you and I were having during the preview of these films was kind of like, I don't know. Might be a rough like one. Outside of, but, yeah, <laughs> it might be a rough year. It might be a much slower year than previous years. I think this one, it's kind of like, you know, they just went back to basics. You know, I think uh, they're just simple, easy stories that you can consume this time of year that most of these you can do with the whole family. Um, and it's, you know, it's got a little bit of something for everybody. And yeah. I, it's a kind of impressive to see. And I'm happy that you were able to enjoy a kid Christmas. Yes. And I was able to enjoy it and not be a cynical critic. Maybe it's the time of year. Maybe I'm just finally loosening up in this. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'm getting to you. Home more often. Maybe I'm getting yeah, to you. <laughs> yeah, finally hitting that effect, man. But um, yeah, and there's a few more to come. I will say there is one that I did start that is not good. I had to turn it off, and I didn't recommend you and I covering it kind of for that purpose. But right. did you happen to even come across, um, I think it's called Father Christmas. It has Elizabeth Hurley, uh, Kelsey Grammer. Oh. Um, there, there's quite a few like quote unquote stars. Uh, there's um, the guy who ends up getting all the chicks in Love Actually. Uh, okay. Do you remember uh, the younger guy who goes he, to America and gets uh, all the girls? That yo, guy. I can't uh, remember his name, but too. I don't remember his name either. Um, but oh, John Cleese is in this. I was like, wow, there's a lot of people I know. This it's got to be awesome. I watched like 25 minutes of it. And I was like, nah, I'm not gonna return to this whatsoever. It is not good. So uh, hit me up if you think I'm wrong and I need to finish that movie. <laughs> Or let us know, uh, anybody listening, uh, you know, at NomCastPod on Twitter and Instagram, uh, or check us out on Facebook uh, at the NomCast. And, uh, yeah, let us know. What are you watching this time of year? Have you watched these? What did you think of them? Because um, I think we're having a pretty good time over here, which is a rare feat. We've, Like we said, we've done this years in a row now. And I think, you know, I have a solid list. And just to kind of recap for your purposes, Chad, more than mine, because you're going to refute this list is so my letterbox if you want to find me on letterbox andrew morgan uh you'll see the little uh nomcast logo as my my handle thing and i i have so here's my listing so far and you're not gonna like the last one because you enjoy it um my order goes klaus number one mm. Al alien xmas two jingle jangle three robin robin four mm. a boy called christmas five uh, Christmas Chronicles 6, Love, Love Hard 7, Christmas Chronicles 2, 8, Castle for Christmas 9, Let It Snow 10, Christmas on the Square 11, Operation Christmas Drop 12, and The Night Before Christmas 13. Mm. I know. I just stabbed you in the heart on that one. So. <laughs> And then, uh, so obviously, and then we have a, a couple more things. And I know, um, you know, Sean the Sheep. Have you watched that with uh, with your little nephew yet? Has it come uh, out yet? You're, I think so. Oh, okay, no, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Oh. So, yeah. Well, hey, man, this was a good time. We gave the people a lot of stuff to <laughs> chew on. I'm glad you had a good time. Um, and yeah, Merry Christmas to you, man. Merry Christmas. This to is you a good too, start, bud. right? Yeah. <laughs> good to see you, dude. We'll talk soon. Yeah.